Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Discount, nothing personal word of the day. It is Thursday, January 5th, 2023. Rafael Devers is a Red Sox. Everyone happy? The news came out two days ago that he signed a one-year deal. He's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. If you're not a Red Sox fan, you don't really care about it. If you're not a baseball fan, you don't care about it. But what you do care about is this. You have a team that you like. They win it all from time to time more than they should, which is once every 30 years by the math, if there are 30 teams in MLB. Red Sox went all those years without winning and then starting in 04, started winning World Series with John Henry and Tom Warner. They win a bunch of them. Big Poppy comes. Mookie Betts gets traded. Everyone's despondent. Xander Bogart signs with the San Diego Padres because he's got Scott Boris as an agent and Boston didn't want to overpay. Everyone's despondent. What's wrong with Kyan Bloom, chief baseball officer? He stinks. We're not Tampa. Don't run us like Tampa. We're a big market team. We own Liverpool. We own Roush Racing. We're trying to buy other teams. We're big time. We got to sign Devers, right? There was such public pressure on the owners of the Red Sox for a reason that is beyond me because the best owners don't care about public pressure. And I put John Henry up there amongst the best owners as much as I vehemently disagree with the way he acts as an owner of a large market team when he used to own a small market team, the Marlins, back in the day. I guess we all advocate for what we're doing currently, not what we ever did or what made us. Don't forget where you came from. Be nice to people on the way up the ladder because you'll see them on the way down. Whatever the expression you want to use, John Henry does not have that point of view. So he's a large market hawk right now. So the pressure comes in from media and from fans that you're not spending enough money on payroll, which is absolute horse hockey. Their payroll is just fine. It may not be good enough because their players may not be good enough. The Red Sox overpaid for that Japanese outfielder who's going to lead off. Signed Kenley Jansen, who may be a couple years too old to be effective. Corey Kluber might be a couple years too old to be effective. The Red Sox haven't done enough. Look what the Yankees did. They kept Judge. Cut to 
a one-year deal is announced two years ago. When you're gonna be a free agent, you have one final year of arbitration. We talked to you about this with Shohei Otani, who signed that one-year $30 million deal. He's the same service time or the same experience as Rafael Devers. They have one more season and then they're free agents. When you're on your final year of arbitration, you have the right to compare yourself to whatever players you wanna compare yourself to. Those are the rules of arbitration. So Devers agrees to a one-year $17.5 million deal, and I told you the reason for that is when you're negotiating a long-term deal, which rumors were the Red Sox were negotiating, I guess they had chosen that they didn't want Betts, they didn't want Bogarts, they wanted Devers, who's a great player, don't get me wrong. Now he's the highest-paid third baseman, a, a centerpiece at 26, 27 years old of a team the Freddie Freeman of the Red Sox. He's going to be there when they win it all again. All the different platitudes you want. Yada, yada, yada. I don't give a crap. What I do care about is that when he signs a one-year deal, when you're negotiating with players and you know you're at an impasse, what you say is, let's negotiate something that we can come to agreement on and then go back to the stuff that we can't agree on. So if they were discussing number of years or average annual value or the total amount of the contract and the agent and the GM and the owner could not come to agreement, it's like when you're doing something in your own life and you've got four points to deal with and you say, all right, let's get, let's get rid of the easy one. Or when you've got five things on your to-do list, all right, let me do the quick one first. Are you like that? I like doing the hard one first because then it's in your rear view mirror and then the easy one's easy and then I can smell the barn and I'm almost done with what I have to do on my list. But when you're negotiating with players, it goes a little differently because an impasse says, all right, we're going to take a breather. Let's take the pressure off. Let's get a one-year deal done right now. So they get the one-year deal done, and I figured that a long-term deal was not coming quickly at all. And then it came the next day. What the hell is going on? If you're that close to a long-term deal, why announce the one-year extension, the, which is not an extension, excuse me, let me do that totally clean for you for tape, Coca. Four sixty nine eighty two. If you're about to have an agreement on a long-term deal, there is no reason to announce a one-year deal to get out of arbitration. It makes no sense. Just announce nothing on day one, and then day two, if you're that close, announce the long-term deal. You don't need two days of the news cycle. What about if you're not close on a long-term deal, you announce the one-year deal to Devers, and then all of a sudden the media and your fans are all over you. The agent calls up the owner and says, listen, are you aware of the heat you're getting? Do you know how cheap you look? Don't you wanna get Devers done right now so you can claim victory in this crazy off season? And the owners look at themselves and say, all right, we're gonna give in now. Why? It's January 5th. They gave in on January 4th. For what? Spring training starts mid-February. Season starts end of March. You can give in anytime. When you're negotiating with someone and you know you're going to give in, don't you get to control when you give in? A negotiated settlement can happen at any time. There's little movement. You move a little, they move a little. You keep moving toward the center. You keep learning about each other's leverage where your big time leverage points are. What happens when the status quo changes is that people's view of leverage changes, people's timeline changes, and then there can be activity in negotiation. 
what exactly changed in the Devers negotiation from two days ago to yesterday? The announcement of his one-year deal. That's the only thing that changed. And all of a sudden, the Red Sox are giving him 11 years, $331 million. That's not a hometown discount, folks. So the way it works is he'll get paid $17.5 million this year because that was the one-year deal. Or they ripped up the one-year deal and they'll do straight up 331 divided by 11. If they pay him 17.5 this year, that leaves 293 for the last 10 years. Either way, for luxury tax purposes, you take 331 divided by 11. That's about $28 million per year for your luxury tax bill. All of the deals we've seen this offseason, the commissioner needs to realize teams are taking advantage of length in order to try to keep luxury tax bills as low as possible. Forget the fact that he's now the sixth highest in notional dollars, right? We, a lot of people talked about that. Forget the fact that seven players have gotten $200 million or more this offseason. Aaron Judge, Devers, Correa, which, by the way, he hasn't gotten it yet. Turner, Xander, Riley, who don't forget Julio Rodriguez, that rookie who got over 200. All of that's happened this offseason. But the story of the offseason is length. Now, he's not going to be 41 like Trey Turner. Fair enough. What's the difference between 41 and 37? Teams go out and try to project what will his body look like? What will the production be? That's what you're supposed to do when you're signing a long-term deal. The reason the commissioner knows he has a problem is all of the different variables that are looked at by front offices in the past are not being looked at anymore. They're not looking at body projection. They're not looking at productivity. It used to be the exception where they wouldn't look at that. Albert Pujols, Miguel Cabrera. Now it's the rule. And when exceptions change to rules, that's when the commissioner has to step in and understand that there's a problem with the collective bargain agreement. There's a problem with the way the luxury tax is being calculated. Can't do anything about it now. It'll have to wait for the next CBA. But you can bet your bottom dollar that when the next CBA comes along, there's going to be discussions about maximum length of contracts. And the players are going to push back H-A-R-D. They don't want it. They love it. You know why? Why do you think? Why do you think agents and players like career deals? I spoke to the agent of uh, Giancarlo Stanton when we did his career deal, right? There's no more poaching. There's no more player leaving the agent for another agent. There's no more dealing with another negotiation. Check it off. We got our player paid. There's marketing availability for agents to say, look what I get. You want to set your family down in one city? You want to stay in one place? You want to control your destiny? If I don't get you no trade clause, I can't do that for you. You want to guarantee money through the entirety of your baseball career? I can do that. That's the difference between Major League Baseball and other sports. When you get a guaranteed deal, it doesn't matter if Rafael Devers gets hurt. It doesn't matter if he stinks. It doesn't matter if he gets old. It doesn't matter if he has to DH. None of it matters. He's going to get $331 million. Let me give you perspective. Is Rafael Devers to baseball better or worse than Patrick Mahomes in football? Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, name a quarterback. Well, not every quarterback because I wouldn't name Russell Wilson, but I could. 
Who would you rather have? It's not even a question. That's why the union in baseball is so strong and so good and so revered by the other sports because these players get guaranteed money. It's all about the guarantee. It takes away the risk of injury or lack of performance. And that is what employees want. That is what players want. Don't pay me for what I do. Pay me for what I've done. Pay me for what you assume I will do, not what I actually do. When we look back on this contract, will you be happy or sad? I don't care, Pierre. There once was a boy named Pierre who always would say, I don't care. Read his story, my friend, for you'll find at the end that a suitable moral lies there. And the suitable moral, nod to Maurice Sendak, is that when players are so quick to say yes to something, definitionally, you've made a mistake. When your spouse, when your boss, when your employee, when your friend, when anyone is too quick to say yes, what does that mean? You overpaid, either in intellectual capital, in actual dollars, physical capital, you did something. Is it enough for the Red Sox? Hmm, I guess we'll wait and see, won't we? But how many times do I have to say, and I'm a victim, don't kid yourself. When you sign your own guys, you're not getting better. Did the Red Sox really choose Devers over Betts and Bogarts? Is that possible? We'll find out if they made the right choice because the games will be played. Somebody else mentioned, and Coco wanted me to t touch on this, and I agree with him, it's gotta be touched on. There's a lot of strategies in baseball when you're putting teams together. And baseball is very much a copycat league. When we see a team doing something, we say, hey, let's do that. It looks good. It looks like it works. When a team sees that we're doing something like file to go in arbitration, which means once we say we're going to arbitration, we're going to arbitration, don't screw with me. All of a sudden, other teams copied that because it's effective. How come more teams aren't doing what the Braves did? Get all your young players, lock them up. The Braves have Acuna, remember Spencer Strider? Sean Murphy, the guy they just traded for? Michael Harris, rookie of the year? They got them all signed long-term for a total of below Devers. So we don't just look at notional dollars, we also look at number of years, right? When you trade for a player who's not been in the big leagues yet and he's got six years till free agency, that's a plus six. When you trade for a player who has two years left till free agency, that's a plus two. If you trade a six for a two, you're minus four. So you better be getting more quality from the two than you are from the six because you're paying more money to the player who only has two years left and you're getting fewer years of control. Therefore, you better be giving up less or the player just must be so much better. What Alex Anthopoulos has done with the blessing of Liberty Media, who owns the Braves, is they've made their bed and they have decided that the young players they have, they are going to ride with them. Not one player like Devers, they're riding with all of them. But here's the cool difference and why other teams should be paying attention to the Braves. When you sign the deals like they've signed with the younger players, if one of those players does not work out, or two of those players, you get to jettison them. 
you get to swallow hard and say, hey, we're not batting 1,000, we're batting 600, we're keeping four of the six guys, as an example. When you sign one guy to $300 million on your team, think about what the Red Sox did with David Price, which was the last biggest deal the Red Sox ever did, the 200 and whatever, $17 million deal with David Price. Do you remember where David Price is right now? Yeah, he's being paid by the Red Sox to pitch for the Dodgers, and I don't even think he's going to be on the Dodgers this year. Done. D-O-N-E. The deal was a nightmare, although Price was helpful when they needed a ring. When you sign one guy like that, you've got to ride it. And if you ride it and you're wrong, and you don't have the finances to replace it, then you lose. Why do you think only certain teams are signing the players to these deals? When you look at who's getting all the money, where it's coming from, you realize that only a certain number of teams can compete in this arena. There's another example of why the commissioner needs to do something about it because when the playing field is not level, the competitive balance is in danger, the integrity of the game is in danger of the competition, then you get some sort of intervention. Believe me, there will be intervention. Just like I told you, transition alert, I believe, and I will believe it until the day I stop doing nothing personal, I believe there was intervention in the Carlos Correa deal. Why do I believe that? Carlos Correa had a deal with the San Francisco Giants, announced, done, everything's great. Then there was a disagreement over his physical, and the Mets signed him immediately. Do you remember 10 days ago when they gave him all that money? What was it, Coca? $315 million for 11 years? And then all of a sudden, the Mets give him a physical. Guess what the Mets haven't done yet? Announced it. We went live on the air, and we talked about it for a couple of days. Carlos Correa is not a Met. He hasn't signed with the Mets. He is still a free agent. Guess what Scott Boris has been doing between Christmas and New Year's, between sipping Molotov cocktails on the beach in Fiji? He's been calling 29 teams, even the Marlins. Hey, I got Correa. It's not done with the Mets. I just need $315 million. Trust me, the physical's fine. You can do your own. Guess what all the teams have said? No thanks, but wait, Minnesota, you wanted him, you had him last year, you made the next best offer. We'll bring him to you. 10 years, 300 is yours. No merci. Scotty, how about one year, $30 million? No way, I'm not doing that again. I gotta get him his long-term deal. Scott Boris has a problem, folks. The problem is nobody else wants him. He had Steve Cohn ready to roll because Steve Cohn said, this is the last guy we need. We're over the hump now. We're World Series champions. I'm a size eight. I don't think that's accurate. I don't know what size his finger is. I've never seen his finger. I've never put a sizer around his finger. God, that was fun sizing people for their World Series rings. Steve, one day you'll do it. Maybe. Come on. We got to get him. We're going to win the World Series with him. Scott then says, but who cares about his physical? It's just an injury from years ago. He hasn't missed time for this injury. He misses time for other injuries. But Scott, why can't we negotiate more provisions, different provisions? We have a real issue happening right now with the Mets because Steve Cohn 
doesn't want to do the contract as is. Scott Boris will only do the contract as is. Steve Cohn has already gotten his fan base lathered up that they're going to get Correa over the hump, win it. You don't think there was intervention from the commissioner? I've been around it. I've watched the commissioners intervene. Yes, I have. And here's how it goes. Steve, you're not signing Correa to that deal. Why not, Rob? Because I promise you, you'll live to regret it because it's not a good deal. Are you going to threaten me, Rob? I'm not going to say I'm going to threaten you. I'm going to let my minions in the labor department threaten you. I've got plausible deniability. I'm merely saying to you, it doesn't look good for the industry. Owners are upset. Do you remember what happened when all the owners were upset with Daniel Snyder or Robert Sarver? Do you remember what happened? Bye-bye, franchise. But Rob, I could get $7 million for the Mets right now. That'd be terrific, Steve. Am I suggesting that the commissioner's office would force or the owners would force Steve Cohn to sell? You're goddamn right I am. When you've got a lone wolf, that animal person, thing, needs to be disappeared. Owners don't like it when one of their own turns on them. They don't like it when one of their own does something to make them all look bad. There are exceptions to the rule. The exceptions are the San Diego Padres, embarrassing to other owners what they're doing, making other small revenue teams, low revenue teams, small market teams look bad. But they're good. They always learn from their mistakes and they rip it apart after they don't win. Not sustainable. Everyone acknowledges that. Let them go. We're going to give them enough ropes so we can hang. Done. That's an unfortunate expression, actually, which I have used to use all the time. I'm going to give people enough rope. I used to say that the, my management style, side note here, Coca, I used to say that my management style was to give people enough rope to either climb to the top of the mountain or to hang themselves. And that is a very unfortunate way to look at it. My management style, to put it a different way, but it means the same thing, but I'm always going to put it a different way, is I want to give people enough area in which to work that they can show me whether or not they can excel at their job. And I'll be able to know very quickly whether they can. You only know, you know, if you meddle too much and you do the work of your employees, how the hell do you evaluate them? Like when an owner says, oh, that player's good, that player sucks. Well, if you don't keep track of what your scouts say, how do you sign your scouts? How do you know who's good? It's totally crazy when you think about it. Any other management style than I had seems crazy. And that sounds totally narcissistic, but it's not. It's not like I know more than anybody else or I'm smarter than anyone else, but doesn't that make the most sense? You can only evaluate somebody if they do their damn job. I have no idea why we just went on that side. I don't even know what we were talking about. Oh, no, don't have it, Coca. Can we rewind? I mean, I want to keep this in the show, but I, I literally don't know where we were. Were we talking about, um, no, owners. Owners letting Steve Cohn. That's what we were talking about. Thank you, Coca. So they let the Padres do what they do. They don't want to let Steve Cohn continue to act this way because he's creating a divide that is so much bigger between what their team is and what his team is. The Dodgers, the Yankees, they never thought that they'd be looking up at a team so far. The Royals, the Guardians, the Marlins, they never thought they'd be looking at a gulf that large between large market teams. So what I think is happening is that Steve Cohn has to decide for himself what he's going to do. 
because there's nothing the commissioner can do, right? He cannot sign the contract. Remember, the commissioner's office has final approval of every contract. So even if Correa passes a physical, sort of, even if Correa and Boris and Steve Cohen have an agreement that they're going to take $2 million off the guarantee, but keep it 11 years, but 313 instead of 315, the commissioner's office has to approve that. But I've never seen the commissioner's office not approve a contract. That would be a grievance that is not winnable with the Players Association. You've got to have a better reason than, hey, he's spending too much money. You have to have a better reason than, hey, I think he's going to get hurt. None of that is good enough. So the commissioner would have to approve it. But then what happens next? The commissioner has very much plausible deniability when all of a sudden owners are biting at each other. What else could Steve Cohn do when faced with this situation? Well, when we were talking about the show last night and this morning, our producer, Matthew Coca, came up with a very smart thought. One way that Steve Cohn can operate in Major League Baseball and continue to do whatever he wants is to make sure that Steve Cohn's not the only person in Major League Baseball who wants to operate the way Steve Cohn operates. And there's opportunities with so many teams for sale. You've got the Angels for sale, the Nationals for sale. You've got the Orioles for sale, very likely. If someone would offer 1.2, you've got the Marlins for sale. I promise you that, no matter the protestations of their owner, Bruce Sherman. What happens if Steve Cohn can go to his little club and say, hey, come with me, buy a team. It'll be great. We'll all operate like lunatics. We'll sign everybody. We won't care about the commissioner. As a matter of fact, we'll be our own commissioner. We'll do a super league. You think that super league is an only concept that John Henry was interested in in the EPL? You think that he doesn't think about a super league in Major League Baseball? You think that the owners of these teams wonder to themselves, what do we need the Guardians, Marlins, and Rays for? I sure as hell don't want to get beaten by the Rays in my division. You don't think that comes up? then you're just naive. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Carlos Correa, but something's gotta give because at some point Correa is gonna say to Boris, I need a paycheck. But that doesn't start till April, folks. So keep your seatbelts on, this could take a while. All right, when we come back, we're gonna review a movie that I watched on Netflix that I absolutely loved called White Noise, but I wanna tell you more about it. And then we're gonna talk about what's going on one of the most outrageous stories of the year, 2023. We'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. As you went to break, I said that I've got a story for you that's so outrageous, the biggest, most outrageous story of the year. And then I realized the year's only five years old. That's asinine. Any story that comes out now, any movie that comes out, that's the best movie of the year. The best book I've read this year, it's the 5th of January. Come on. All right. I watch White Noise on Netflix. Noah Baumbach is a brilliant and eccentric movie maker. He put Adam Driver and Greta Gerwig in a movie that is about a family in a sort of end of the world scenario where weird things are happening. And the dialogue of this movie, it looks like a play, but it's a movie. It is so brilliantly acted and you're watching the screenplay, you're watching the actors and listening to the screenplay, I should say, and you're wondering, I'm in the company of genius. And you are. And then you get to the end and you realize you were not in the company of genius until that point. And when the movie ends, and I encourage you to watch it through the credits, not like Marvel, watch the entire credits. You know my view of credits. I have great appreciation for all those who work on movies. All the people who work for minimum wage who are not making a lot of money, but they're, it's like a team. There's hundreds and hundreds of people who give me those two hours of entertainment, not just the actors. That would be like me saying as a president of a team that it's just me. Got thousands of people who actually entertain you, who actually take care of you, who actually make your experience great. It would be like Jeff Bezos saying, hey, give me all the credit that you got your Lysol wipes delivered to you. It's January 5th, the year's five days old. I didn't say five years old. What are you talking about? Okay, can we get back to white noise? When you're watching this movie, white noise is that, that sound that you hear in the background, like let's put on white noise. I'm not sure why it's called that, but it's like a or it's like the crackling of a fire. Is that white noise? Or it's like a, the blow dryer or the fan or the dripping of the thunderstorm and the rain. Like who wants to sleep that? And then flashes of light. Anyway, so this movie is all about that. It is just a, a bizarre, strange movie that you've got to get through. Don't give up after 18 minutes. Watch it all the way through, get to the credits, you're gonna be happy. White Noise, Netflix. Thank you, Noah, for being brilliant. And Adam Driver, you are quickly becoming one of the best actors of your generation, and I mean quickly. All right, on to the best story of the year in 2023. This is it, a real winner, get ready. Are you following US men's soccer since the World Cup? Because sometimes we only watch the World Cup, then we forget about it until 2026. We get back to dealing with football. We don't think about American football. We don't think about international football and soccer. The story coming out of US men's national team is stranger than any fictional writer could come up with. Here's the background. There was a guy named Gio. Just whatever, just a guy. He's a player on the U.S. men's national team. 
That's all we know. We know that he's not in the starting 11. We know he doesn't play much. We know after the World Cup that Greg Berhalter explained to us that he didn't play much. He was told he wasn't going to play much because there's some behavior that we don't accept. And we've got to make sure that we have consistent application of our discipline. We are not allowing for that sort of activity, behavior, etc. All right. We did a little segment on it. We said good for Greg for, for being a coach, for making players accountable. We're all in. That was that. Then I woke up yesterday or two days ago to a some sort of rumor that this kid, Gio, has parents. That's not a rumor. I mean, everyone has parents, even if you don't know who they are. Trust me, you've got a mom and a dad somewhere, no matter what. So Gio's parents are named Claudio and Danielle. Fine, never heard of them. Turns out that Claudio is the GM football sporting director of Austin FC, hadn't heard of him. Turns out Danielle was a national team player, as was Claudia. Hadn't heard of them. I'm okay with that. I just thought they were parents, just parents. Okay. Turns out that the parents had some information about the coach of the U.S. men's national team and that they contacted U.S. soccer and said, hey, I may have some information that could bring down your head coach. Well, that sounds like blackmail. Are you telling me that the father of a player is calling the coach of the son to say, if you don't play my son, I'm going to release something bad about you? That story had me intrigued. What was it? What could they have? Is he stealing money from U.S. soccer? Is he not good at what he does? Then, the next day, we find out because Greg Berhalter, the coach of U.S. men's soccer, and I touched on this yesterday, we found out through a long Instagram post by Greg Berhalter and his wife that 31 years ago, Greg Berhalter and his wife, who was his girlfriend at the time, they were in college, had a physical fight where Greg Berhalter kicked his girlfriend. He made this long post. The post was, I learned from my mistakes. I was a kid. It was stupid. My girlfriend wouldn't forgive me, but years later did. We reconnected. She's now my wife. We have wonderful children. We have a wonderful marriage. We're best friends. We're lovers. We're partners. And I was thinking to myself, why is he bringing something up from 31 years ago? And then the news came out that the player, Gio, stay with me, his mother, Danielle, stay with me, was college roommates with Greg's wife, are you with me? And best friends with Greg's wife. At the time of the incident, there was high trauma. The wife of Greg Berhalter said to her best friend, the future mother of Gio, the player who plays for Greg, helped the mother of Gio get through the trauma, but it was very hard on everyone. And I'm not opining whether it was hard, nor am I saying that I agree with what Greg Berhalter did when he was 18. None of that is the point. But if you're still with me, we're not done yet. After the World Cup, when Greg Berhalter talks about a player who he didn't name, not getting playing time because of his behavior, all of a sudden, the player, parents, 
that's Danielle, that's Claudio. They call the USS and say, hey, we happen to know that the coach was involved in a domestic violence issue. You ought to be investigating that. So USS starts investigating Greg Berhalter, something that happened 31 years ago. USS, United States Soccer, tells Greg Berhalter, you're not coaching this month when we do our next match as a US national team. Meanwhile, people start saying, Claudio, the father, is blackmailing or whistleblowing or extorting the coach of his son? And the mother says, no, no, you have it all wrong. The mother releases a statement, an actual statement, which says, it was me. I am the unnamed person who called the head of USS. I am the one who brought attention of the behavior of Greg Berhalter. When I called Ernie Stewart on December 11th, that's not even a month ago, the US team had been eliminated. She called because Greg Berhalter, the coach, who was also still their close friend. You still with me? Danielle and Claudio, Danielle's roommate, who is the wife of Greg Berhalter, the four of them are friends as couples. Their kids are friends. Can you imagine if your best friend, forget best friend, best friend, he's barely a friend. Can you imagine if your friend tattled on you, knew something about you from 30 years ago, stayed quiet the entire 31 years until your son didn't get enough playing time on a goddamn team, and now you go public, now you call the US Federation? Is there a reason she didn't go to her friend, the mother of Gio, and say, hey, this really stinks? Greg and you had issues when you were 18. You had immaturity issues. He had physical violence issues. Why can't you understand that Gio's just immature? He had some behavior problems. Forgive him the way you forgave Greg. Greg and could have decided to not play him, could have decided to play him, could have decided anything. Why did she feel the need to call his mommy? That's a bad expression for his boss. What did she think was gonna happen? that all of a sudden Berhalter was gonna get fired and then the new coach will come in and Gio's gonna get all sorts of playing time? For all of you parents out there who think you're doing well because you're advocating for your child, sit down. Shut up. We've released players because their parents are such a pain in the ass. You think that that's gonna be successful? Yelling at umpires, yelling at coaches, my son needs to be playing. Get him out there, get my daughter out there. As though her life depends on it. Ma'am, your child has no chance to ever make money playing this sport. Keep it down. Can you imagine a parent of a professional player and these players on the US team, they're professionals. Can you imagine having a parent call a manager? Hey, can you please bat my son third? Um, your son's on the bench right now. No, 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 uh, you gotta play him and bat him third. If not, I'm gonna tell about the time that you had sex with that other person on the road. What? That's your plan? Is that where we are now? 
that we need our kids so badly to be better than we were, to outshine us. We have to live so vicariously through our kids that we forget old friendships, we forget new friendships, we forget respect, we forget the way things are supposed to be, and we just go scorched earth. If I'm the owner of Austin FC, do you know what I'm doing today? I'm calling Claudio into the office and I'm firing him. Do you know why? Not because he's not good. Their team lost in the Western Conference Finals in MLS to the Los Angeles team. I'm firing him because if they're capable of that as it relates to Greg Berhalter, God knows what he and his wife are capable of and they're running my team. Nope. See you later. Here's the second thing I do if I'm USS. I call up Gio and I say, hey, what I'm about to tell you is so unfair I can't even mention. You're going to cry, but you are never playing for the U.S. men's national team again. You will never put on the USA uniform because of what your parents did. If you'd like to go to your parents and talk to them, fine. We're not changing our mind. If you want to beg, plead, cry, and tell me how ridiculous I'm behaving because it was my parents and I can't control them, I don't care because I want there to be an example to every future parent of every future athlete to sit down. If you do not make examples of people, then examples can never be made, period. Nobody said life was easy. Nobody said life was fair. Sometimes people are made examples of. This is a situation that is ripe for an example. The underlying issue is not the discussion. Do we forgive an 18-year-old for doing something? We talked about it yesterday, do we? What's the threshold for forgiveness? I was just thinking we forgave Harry for wearing a Nazi costume, but we're not going to forgive Harry for writing a book where he says that William punched him and threw him to the ground. So we're now choosing when we forgive people, at what age it's appropriate to do what. Don't air your dirty laundry in public. Please air it. We're buying it. We can't wait to watch more. The intrigue. It's got to stop. And my way stops it. Consequences. Call back to yesterday's show. Go back and listen to it. Consequences. When there are consequences to issues, to situations, behavior has a chance to change. Do you want to live in a world where you are spending your entire moments, every second of every day, gravely concerned that someone under you, over you, to the side of you is going to bring up something that may or may not have happened all those years ago and force you in a position where you have to either say something or do something that you would not have had to say or do but for the action of someone else whose motives were purely based on their child's playing time? What about a situation where Greg Berhalter beat his wife again? And then the wife's best friend, Gio's mother says, hey, I can't stay quiet. I thought that he was cured. I thought it was a one-time thing. I would say to you, I'm in. I wanna know if I'm the USS. I wanna know if my head coach has a proclivity to beating women. I'm gonna wanna know that. Not related to playing time, not related to 31 years ago, related to today. There will be more on this story because either Burhalter, who's being investigated right now, is going to be retained or he's not. Either the Federation will give you some BS excuse, oh, we're going a different direction, 
or they're going to re-sign him and Gio is done. And so is that friendship. And so am I with the first nothing personal pick of the day. I had the Lakers beating the Heat. We are 1-0. Just kidding, that was my dreams. I had the Bulls beating the Nets and covering. We are 1-0. Nope, didn't say that one yesterday either. Donovan Mitchell followed up his 71-point game by scoring 100 points. Nope. I had the Cavs minus five over the Suns. They only won by two. We are 0-1. Totally stinks. I hate starting there. Doesn't 0-1 feel way worse like when you first start a season? I feel like it totally does. All right, what about tonight? Tonight, I mean, the NBA is just crazy. Like, it's so hard to bet the NBA. So, faites attention. Mais alors, here we go. I'm going to watch Mavs Celtics. That could be a finals preview. Celtics are trying to rebound from giving up 150. Luke is trying to rebound because he gets a lot of rebounds. I don't know where to go with that joke, Coco. Where, where can I go with that? Celtics are trying. Okay, let me try it this way. Ready? And four, eight, 69. Tonight's nothing personal pick of the day is the Mavericks plus two versus the Celtics. And the game is in Dallas. The Celtics are going to try to rebound from giving up 150 points, and Luka is going to try to find other people to help him with rebounding. <laughs> Not terrible. I don't think it's a finals preview. I guess it could be, though. One of the things that came out of this Cavs loss, other than us being 0-1, was my great interest in the conversation that came out yesterday with Donovan Mitchell who went on his social media, God, as, as, as a former executive, players with their social media is just very, very frustrating. And the reason it's frustrating is that it's a whole nother layer of things I have to worry about and think about and follow. I don't just have to read papers the next day. I have to follow in real time, 24 hours a day. Donovan Mitchell got randomly tested for steroids, for PEDs after 71 point night. And he did a release or a, a public sort of posting, which saying, hey, that's funny, right? Just like that, we're drug tested this morning. And they were laughing because it's true. In the NBA, you get random drug tested, just so you know, you get four random tests per year during the season. But here's a little secret for you. Um, random is relative. Major League Baseball and the National Basketball Association and all the other sports will tell you Oh, we just put the names in a lottery type system. We go online and every player has a number. We hit the randomizer. And if your number comes up, it comes up. Nope. Doesn't work that way. We have to tell you it works that way because that's part of the collective bargaining agreement. We have to tell you that we will not. Coke, I need the word. We have to tell you that we will not select a person based on performance that seems out of character. We have to tell you that we will not avoid testing a player because they're doing something good for the game, Albert Aaron. We will not be able to tell you that after a three home run game, we wanna make sure you're clean, so we're gonna test you. We have to say it's random. There is no one in the sport, on the inside of the sport, no executive, no player, who under Oath. Well, I don't want to say under oath because people lie under oath all the time. With truth serum would tell you that drug testing is random. Just so happens Donovan Mitchell got tested right after scoring 71. G-M-A-B. Give me a break. 
Now, why would that happen? Integrity. It's just business. Show me your pee, Donovan. It's nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.